Hey everybody, it's Jake and I am alone in the basement. Today we're going to be talking to Jordan Falco, a name that should be recognizable for anyone from the CNY, uh, Western New York scene. Uh, been around for over 10 years, which is crazy when you think about that. So uh, yeah, I don't want to give too much in the intro. I want to save it all for the interview. So you know the deal by now, just stick through the ad and then the way back we'll be talking to Jordan Falco. All right, everybody, we are back and we are with Jordan Falco. What's going on, man? What's going on, brother? I'm hanging in there best I can. You? Oh, just trying to live in the crazy world we have going on right now. Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, so we'll get in with it, uh, you know, straight up with the most generic, bullshit, boring question. Uh, was there a moment where you knew you were going to be a wrestling fan for life? Or is it something that you've always grown up with? Or was there, like, some specific moment or a match or an angle that really hooked you? Um, well, as far as I can remember, all I know is professional wrestling. Um, my memories, you know, go back 18, 19 years from when my dad started wrestling and stuff. Um, so I've been around for freaking ever. Um, but, uh, I mean, I remember a few things that I always hooked on as a kid, like, um, the first big match I ever remember really watching was like WrestleMania 17, that three uh, three tag team ladder match with Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, Jeff Hardy, and Matt Hardy. Um, that always sticks with me. And then uh, as far as local shows go, I remember the first ever independent show I went to was for RPW, ran by uh, Ian Decay, and he had the main event. It was himself versus uh, Kevin Dunn, who was in Ring of Honor, local boy to Rochester, where I'm from. Um, and I remember Kevin jumping off the top turnbuckle through a table to the floor on top of Ian and ever and I was front row, so you know, being five, six years old seeing that happen, that was pretty insane and I'm forever hooked because of I think those two things and then my just seeing my dad growing up, like being a wrestler and being at his trainings and everything, just seeing him be, you know, a wrestler was like having a real life superhero at home and <laughs> I think forever I was stuck being a wrestling fan. I was cursed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like having uh, a parent in in the business is gonna, you know, change your your views of it. <laughs> oh, for sure. It definitely, uh, it's definitely a different life when you uh, grow up with dad being on the road every weekend or going to see him at shows, beating up other guys and stuff. It was. <laughs> Definitely a different life from what I think a lot of kids grew up with. Oh, yeah, I can only imagine. Now, was there a moment when you knew you wanted to be a pro wrestler? Or was it kind of a thing where, you know, because your dad was a wrestler, was there like a pressure for you to, you know, follow in his footsteps? Um, there was no pressure. Um, I know a couple other like fathers in wrestling and stuff like that that and they're always like my son's not gonna be a wrestler my, my daughter's not gonna be a wrestler they're not gonna be wrestlers and i'm not gonna allow it because you know professional wrestling on the on screen is you know fun and entertaining behind the scenes there's a lot that goes into it um so i understand their viewpoints but i never had the pressure for my dad to be a wrestler um i knew that i always wanted to be one um but he let me make those decisions when i was like eight years old i took my first bump in a training class <laughs> like i think ever since then i just kind of knew i was like i'm going to be a pro wrestler i don't know if i'm going to be any good at it but i'm definitely going to be one yeah and i feel like that's another thing is that there's a lot of pressure on people whose parents are in the business and if they do choose to follow through with it they almost like curse themselves into like holding up this 
you know, like false idol that they need to be as good as their parent or better in order to get any type of attention. And I feel like that's a self-sabotage. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. I definitely think that guys are getting into their own head, like, you know, like, for example, like Curtis Axel, where his dad was Mr. Perfect, like, he was the man. Um, So, I mean, like, some people live up to that crazy life where, you know, they're that top guy. Luckily enough, my dad was never, you know, a Shawn Michaels, because I don't think I ever would have been a wrestler, because I would have been pretty damn discouraged. (laughs) (laughs) But in general, like, it was pretty cool, and he never, you know, he never pushed me to be a wrestler, be something better than what I could be, but he definitely gave me the support and was always there for me when it was time for me to start training always watch my matches at the beginning of my career to critique and stuff like that so i never think i had to live up to his name but i definitely wanted to you know make him proud especially following in his footsteps definitely and was he your trainer um i had a bunch of trainers just because i would like I said, I grew up around it. Like I had plenty of guys with their hand in the cookie jar. Um, my main trainer was actually Mike Helcavisario uh, out of the Kayfabe Dojo. He was he's been around forever and stuff like that. My dad just didn't have the time to fully train me. He definitely got you know helped me and stuff like that, and like, tr- helped train me. Uh, but Hellcat was like my main trainer. My first actual trainer was Frank the Tank Burlington. Um, I've had, you know, people helping me out, such as like, you know, Brody Lee, I, uh, you know, Gabriel Saint helped me, Cloudy, Colin Delaney. I had a lot of guys, you know, helping me out, to, which I'm very thankful for. Cause I think if you're stuck with one type of trainer, you're only going to be one type of wrestler. If you're not creative enough to get out of that niche. Um, but I was lucky enough to have guys that were all different, you know, realms of wrestling, big men, strong men, you know, high flyers, whatever they may be. And I was able to, you know, grab little things from each guy that definitely, I think, helped me in the long run. Yeah, I like the way you put it. I think it is very important that, you know, just because you you might finish your training with one trainer doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't go to other schools and learn other things because you're never done learning. It's never over. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've even, you know, I've even driven out and I was five years in five, six years into the business at that point, And I was still driving out to, you know, Grapplers Anonymous, but with Brandon Thurston, Pepper Parks and Mikey every night helping me out. Like there's still always so much to learn, even when you're in the business for an X amount of time, you still can always learn. I'm learning every single match with learning and creating new things with new different types of wrestlers. So I definitely think being able to be, you know, for lack of better term, not hybrid in professional wrestling knowing every style being able to work it it benefits you huge oh it does and uh you know big grapplers anonymous is one of the best schools in the state in the area in the rust belt and uh for sure big shout out to mikey every night he's a guy i've known since i was a teenager so (laughs) mikey's the man i remember uh mikey wrestling back uh oh my god what was this 2010 when my dad was running iwf pro wrestling out of buffalo uh that stint that he had there and mikey was there doing everything he could he was one of those up-and-coming young guys and i think my dad gave him his first ever like push i would say and Mikey was definitely somebody who was always grateful. He's always super nice guy. I absolutely love Mikey every night. Uh, Mikey's a guy I actually yarded with. I feel like there's always guys that everybody can say, yeah, I backyard wrestled them. Yeah, I'm one of those guys. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, especially when, like, I mean, you look at guys like Kevin Bennett, who literally 
was self-taught with a little bit of help of Wilco Rissian and Pepper Parks in his backyard. He literally got his family buy him a ring and built it in his backyard. And that's how one of the greatest, you know, wrestlers out of our area, in my opinion, learned to wrestle. So it's not that backyard wrestling is a bad thing. I mean, sure, don't try this at home. There's a lot of things that could be bad. But if you have the proper training along with it, like he did, you know, backyard wrestling doesn't have to be what everybody thinks it is. No, I was lucky enough that it got. I got to a point where you met a lot of people who either had access to rings or had rings, and that made it a lot better. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, even look at backyard wrestlers not, like that have made it. Like, look at M Dog Twenty being the biggest name ever out of backyard wrestling. Oh yeah, like he was in the video game. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of people on you know that are in the indie circuit right now, where that's where they started from. You know, like Deppin, Makabe. Uh, you know, shit, I could list on and on. I'm just uh, Ricky Shane Page is yeah, one. Ricky Shane Page is a crazy son of a bitch. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite is this video on Botchamania where he put himself through the table after the match after they tried it like six times. I'm like in <laughs> tears watching it. I was like, that is so Ricky. Uh, I have a, a DVD somewhere from when you know we were all still yarding, and he did a death match in Vancouver. And I don't know if he nicked an artery or he did something. And he walks up to the camera after the match and goes, want to see something gross and moves his hand and it, blood just squirts into the lens. Jesus. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, God. He's just always been a tough, crazy motherfucker. Yeah, he knew what kind of guy he was about to be. <laughs> yeah. Now, was it what was it like when you were first getting on the indie scene? Did having a parent in kind of get your foot in the door in some places? Um, it definitely did. Um, he definitely helped me get my foot, obviously, into training because he was with UPW, a new NWA Upstate was what it was called when I started uh, training. Um, so he definitely got me going as far as that goes. Um, and, but, like, starting wrestling in general, um, I kind of had this weird, like, I don't know, it was different, um, because I was definitely a punk little kid, like, <laughs> I literally was the little shit kid growing up with these guys, and they always were like, oh my god, Jordan, oh my god, and I can tell you, trip uh, stories that I probably shouldn't tell on podcasts about <laughs> camping trips and with the guys and shit like that, that it went totally wrong, <laughs> but I'll keep those for another time, um, but I grew, I, I grew up being a little shit around the locker room, and it definitely, when, I mean, I started my in-ring career at 16 years old, where, I mean, a lot of people know you have to be 18 in New York State, um, don't get people in trouble that I wrestled for my first two years, um, but, I mean, I wrestled for two years, you know, at 16 years old, 17, 18, and then when I turned 18 and could start wrestling other states that had that restriction, stuff like that, um, where it was different because that whole first two years, I was extremely cocky. Like, I didn't have a lot of matches in my first two years because of being 16 and 17 and mainly being in New York State. Um, but I, I was just extremely cocky at the beginning of my career. Um, so it took a little bit to 
get myself out of it. And I knew I was one of those guys. I always thought, you know, my shit didn't stink. I thought every match I put on was the, the freaking best. And, and they weren't, especially when I look back at them. I think I only had one really good match when I was 16 years old. Um, so, I mean, it, it was definitely a different way of coming in. And I definitely put a target on my back early for being a little shit, especially a second generation superstar with my dad being extremely respected in the business because of, you know, his tenure and stuff like that when I started. Um, but I definitely had a different upbringing as far as go, getting into shows. Like, you know, I, I never really used my dad's name. Like, obviously, we both share the last name Falco in wrestling, um, but I never really wanted to use his name. I tried to always do it myself. Um, I've obviously gotten bookings tagging with him because of it you know him being him and stuff like that um but but it was definitely just weird and different i don't think a lot of guys had the same way like a lot of them you know went on the facebook marketplace or messengers and you know sent their stuff to other promoters and stuff like that or did their ride-alongs and i did that like i did all of that but i just felt like i had to do so much more because of who my dad was and how i came up and how i was trained like when i was done training at you know 16 17 years old i like you know full basic training um i definitely uh Definitely had a weird upbringing as far as that goes, like with just how I got onto shows, who I knew to get onto the shows, even when I was under the age for the state limit and stuff like that. But I mean, it was definitely fun at the beginning, and it's always been fun. I extremely enjoy wrestling, but it was definitely had to get myself out of the little shithead, cocky 16 year old and stuff like that. And thank God I did, because I definitely don't think I would have done the things I did if I didn't. I feel like everyone at that age kind of has that feeling where they're like, you know, 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And then that's for sure. And and you're putting yourself also in a profession where egos are rampant and you grew up in a, you know, around that where there's just so many people who think they're fantastic, even if they're not. So to kind of like see that it might've just, you know, been one of those pissing contests of, you know, subconsciously, well, if they're big and tough, I'm big and tough too. I think it could have been some of that. I think the fact is that I was so comfortable around these guys because I knew them for so long. So, like, I was still acting like, you know, normal Joe Schmo kid running around the locker room and stuff like that, but I was actually a part of the locker room. Yeah. That wasn't acceptable being a part of the locker room. And it took me a little while to learn that. It took a couple people telling me to straighten my shit up and stuff like that. But, um... You know, I definitely, definitely thank a bunch of people for getting me out of that and, you know, helping me improve. It didn't, you know, it, as far as, like, it was going up until, like, 2015, 16, when, because, I mean, I started in, when, 2013, so took a couple of years to get myself out of that and start gaining the respect of people back and stuff like that for the stuff I did. But it definitely is an ego thing, too. I mean, pro wrestling, you need to have an ego, otherwise... You know, you need to have self-confidence, I should say. An ego is not okay, but self-confidence is. You just have to know where to draw the line. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I feel like sometimes it is a profession that creates egos. Because, you know, I was told by plenty of people that if you don't think you're the best or you can be the best, then this isn't the profession for you. And I was always exactly. thought, I thought, well, shouldn't it just be be the best you can and have fun at the same time? Because otherwise, if you tell me that shit, I'm going to be backstabbing everybody along the way. Exactly. <laughs> and that's where you need to know where that fine line is, for sure. Now, was there ever a point 
that you thought about maybe changing the last name or did you always know that you, you wanted to continue that line? Um, when I was a kid, um, I definitely, you know, thought of like all these cool names I could have done. Like I have a best friend, Anthony. I grew up with this kid since I was maybe five years old. We were at summer camp playing with our WWE action figures. Any chance we got to, you know, do it after school, everything, whatever, whatever we could do. We were always wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. Like that's where our friendship started. Um, and we, we screwed around with names. Like he came up with this name. We were sitting at Pineapple Jacks before on uh, KDW show when they were doing it and we were maybe 14 15 years old i was just about to start getting into you know really diving into wrestling and he's like you know you should change your name to like you know drake kinkos or something like that and i've always liked that name i always thought you know if i got signed to the wwe they told me i had to change my name that's like the first thing i would pitch and stuff like that but um as far as the falco last name goes it kind of just stuck along like i uh I wanted something different, but I wanted something to stay too. So that's why I came up like when I started wrestling the Cali Kid gimmick. My family, my real life family's out of California and stuff like that. So like I, I wanted to hang on to you know as much as I could, but be a little different. But I didn't really necessarily have a choice. I did obviously, but I didn't dive into like oh my god i need to change my name i just thought jordan falco worked the best i mean ron is my dad's real first name jordan's my real first name so we kind of just you know <laughs> stuck with it and you know if anybody ever has listened to other podcasts i've been on our stupid stories i've told i mean the falco last name came from shane falco from the replacements like we literally <laughs> love that movie i mean i'm surprised i wasn't named after one of the characters in blue crush from how much i watched that as a kid um but no we held on to the the Falco name and I'm actually happy I did I think that you know it definitely has helped me in my career and happy that I didn't change it I mean I've definitely thought about it as far as like changing characters and like wise and stuff like that like maybe even a sub character like you know how uh, Finn does like the demon and have or Bray does the fiend and Bray like I thought about doing that type type of stuff before but I'm pretty happy with you know just being the you know the legacy Jordan Falco right now I think I'm being me just amped up so I don't think I should ever really change Jordan Falco while at least I'm on the independence yeah and I mean to be repetitive at this point on my own podcast if you know you're comfortable and you know you're just using pretty much your own personality amped up, that's the best thing to do. Because then you're being oh, yeah. authentic, and that's the, the number one thing you want in wrestling when portraying someone is to be authentic as possible because that way it's you know easily absorbed from the other side. Oh, yeah, and I definitely think that, you know, that could be misconstrued as well at other times too, like, because nobody... It, the, the best part about, you know, being you amped up is nobody can be a better you than who you are. Um, but on the other end, I still think professional wrestling needs characters like The Fiend, like, you know, guys that are not exactly who they are, because I, other than that, everything would be Manila. It'd be Joe Schmo going into the ring against Joe D, John Deere. You know what I mean? It's just all this different stuff that uh, goes into it. So I definitely think the wrestling needs, you know, people out there like dan housen right now he's huge i love dan housen a different character <laughs> exactly like i see my twitter blowing up about him every single day <laughs> um but i mean honestly like i think that there should be a lot of people that play themselves amped up but i definitely think that the characters itself uh, should be 
characters as well. So I think wrestling needs both. Yeah, and I love that wrestling, you know, you know, with using a Mikey every night term, being a circus, there's just so many, you know, tents that you can fall under that there's just a place in wrestling for almost everything. And that's one of the things that Absolutely. makes it special. That, that's why I think that wrestling's so universal, even though TV ratings or whatever are down and people still tell me, oh, you do that WWF stuff. Like, I mean, there's, but that's the thing too. I don't take it as a negative thing where somebody's saying you're doing WWF. Like, no, like something stuck with you when you're a kid in the WWF that makes you still remember exactly <laughs> what pro wrestling is. Yeah. So I think it's just so powerful what pro wrestling can do on all aspects you know connect like little girls growing up looking up to the bellas or thinking john cena is the hottest man alive or (laughs) you know a a kid that sits in his room and listens to punk pop music all the time seeing different characters like the demon or the fiend or having the hardies who are you know punk pop guys but turned up like type thing i just think that there's so many different like you said umbrellas that somebody can fall under that makes you know the crowd fill up that tent or follow that person or do whatever that is so i think that pro wrestling is just huge for that yeah and i mean that's one of my favorite things about it is that it has you know so many different facets and and things and you know you know on one hand you have a lot of these crazy gimmick promotions uh like kaiju big battle which if you want to consider it under the umbrella it kind of is under the pro wrestling umbrella and then you have, you know, like, on the complete opposite spectrum of that is, you know, Kazushi Sakuraba beating Gracie's and still saying, I'm a pro wrestler. Like, yeah. that's crazy shit. Yeah, man, <laughs> it's definitely nuts, the stuff that comes out of the world of pro wrestling. Yeah, that's the, I think that's another understatement of the year. It's just all the weird, oh. crazy shit that comes out of this. For sure, man. I remember the boogeyman and shit like that, like eating worms. Like, there's just so many crazy things that pro wrestling brings back to your memory. Oh, yeah. Like, how many average people over the summer am I going to see pop up on my Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, smashing beers and chugging them like Stone Cold or catching them like Stone Cold or whatever? You know what I mean? It's just so many things came from pro wrestling that other people don't understand or, like, hold on to from their childhood. I think it's so cool. Oh, yeah. It's a huge pop culture phenomenon that I don't think can ever fully be grasped unless you're some sociology fucking expert. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have a psychology degree, and I still don't even get this shit. (laughs) I I majored in it for a couple years, and it didn't help me figure it out any better, so I'm with you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Now, how different would you say indie wrestling is now compared to when you started? Oh, man, it is way different. Um, I'll start with the bad, because there's always the bad with the good. Um, I definitely don't think a lot of guys nowadays um, have the respect or the team mentality that when I grew up, like, I remember back in the day with UPW being a kid, like, just, you know, being caught in pre-show meetings, like, sitting with my dad and stuff like that as he gets ready for his matches and hearing... Hellcat gets so pissed if the pre-sale wasn't 500 people. And it wasn't just Hellcat. It was the wrestlers, too, would be upset about it because it was a team mentality. It wasn't, oh, my God, well, I'm only performing in front of 400 people instead of 700 this time. Like, it wasn't ever the the self, like, 
entitlement shit that goes on now. It's more like they were a team and they wanted to make each other better. And I think that it still shows up at times, but I think that it's missing a little bit more. Like I always have had a riding buddy or somebody that, you know, I really get behind. And if I hit up a promoter saying, Hey, I really want to wrestle for you. I also ride with this guy. Like I'm always in that team mentality because that's what I grew up in. I always want to help somebody else along with me um, and stuff like that. Um, so, so I see that as like necessarily the bad that has carried on. A lot of people are more all about themselves and not other people type thing. But that's not always the case. I'm not saying that's like all pro wrestling is now, but I definitely see it more than I did when I was younger. Um but now, like, the good of pro wrestling, there's so many fucking independent companies out there that you could wrestle four days a week if you tried hard enough. You could literally make a living out of pro wrestling like some people do. Like, back in the day, you got maybe $20 a hot dog and a handshake, and that still might be the case in some instances now. But, you know pro wrestling you can make a career out of this and never be signed to the wwe never be signed to AEW, impact ring of honor new japan you don't have to be in those feds to make something of yourself like i i absolutely love that pro wrestling is so big on the independent circuit now sure it might not show like i mentioned before the ratings on on you know wwe or AEW or whatever that it used to it's not up in the 3.5s anymore or anything like that but it's so great that i can literally have a a job or not and still make money with pro wrestling i can still go out do my thing be noticed as jordan falco i can you know do just so many different things that pro wrestling might not have had when i started like it's just so much bigger and i don't know if it's because we're in the uh the world of social media if we're you know, just more people are having, wanting to be promoters and offering these opportunities or whatever it is. But I just love the fact that pro wrestling is so much more predominant now. So like, as far as independents go and everything like that, I just think that, you know, pro wrestling's huge in, right now. And I absolutely love it. And I love the different styles that come along now and different creativeness because everybody's trying to be different, bigger, better, get noticed. And I think it's just insane. The type of stuff that pro wrestling has offered now compared to when I started. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned it like the first thing, there's just so many promotions now. It's, it's crazy. Like I talked to a lot of people from Massachusetts and there's so many promotions in that state that you could, I don't even know how there's enough days in a month to fill shows for all these promotions. Oh, I know. And then that's, you know, where other promoters are running against other promoters. And it's not always a bad thing that other people think like, oh, my God, they're running the same night. Like some promoters might see that as a bad thing. No, it's not. It's a competition. Pro wrestling is a competition at times. You have to show why you're better. And I think it just makes it even that much more exciting. Like I've done double shots in one day where – I wrestled at noon in Rochester and I had to be up in Canada by four o'clock on a show. Like it's incredible that those opportunities can happen now because I don't remember much of that when I'm younger, when I was younger, I don't think it was as readily available for wrestlers as it is now. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a big part of the boom is that there's more wrestlers now probably than there ever has been. And there's so many wrestlers now that there isn't enough 
uh, if you want to call them top tier promotions around to sign everyone. It's it's impossible. And I think right. that's a big part of why indie wrestling's blowing up and why they're becoming so many bigger, you know, mid market indies and you know, with drawing in these big crowds because there's all these fantastic wrestlers and not everyone's gonna get these gigantic contracts. And I feel like that's one of the things that's helped promoters is that there's so many wrestlers you can't book, you know, if, if just for instance, Johnny Patches is, isn't gonna, you know, have a roster of like sixty five people. It's just it's right. not financially going to work. So it makes exactly, sense. Exactly, especially in New York. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it makes sense for other promotions, you know, other people to be like, well, I can still start up and maintain a roster, and it's probably not even going to be the exact same roster as a people an hour away because of the talent pool I might have here. Right, exactly. Like, you look at it, you have, it within from where I live, within a four-hour radius, you have four different promotions just in New York. I'm not saying if I cross the border or if I do this or that. Like, obviously, there's more in that realm. But just in New York State, from where I'm living, I can go to ESW, I can go to, you know, um, at NYCW, I can go to UPW, I can go to Nickel City, like, I can do UW if I wanted to, like, all those feds are just in this area, and sure, you know, there's different tiers, even in those in those realms, I would say, like, of where I'm from, like, there's, you know, ESW, UPW have always been, like, the top, they've been around forever, um, new, uh, NYCW with Patches, he is building something great, and it's coming from ground up, which is what I love, Nickel City's grabbing more attraction now, it, it's just, what is happening, and the, the roster at ESW, on you know the first weekend of the month might not be the same as nickel city and upw in the second weekend like it's just so great the different rosters like from that close from each other like there's different feds in just one city and there's they're totally different rosters like sure you might have a couple guys that cross over from each feds but they're two totally different rosters and i love that yeah and i just i mean had you told me even five years ago that the amount of indies in my area that I could be able to travel to would exist, I wouldn't believe you just because of how New York is with indies. But you're right. I mean, you can if you count Buffalo, you have uh, Nickel City, you have Daddy Yeah, you know, with Ro- Rochester. <laughs> you know, you as you said, there's ESW, UPW, uh, Excite in Binghamton, NYCW yeah. around Utica, Immortal runs around where I live. That's just fucking crazy. I like. I don't know how we're starting to get this lucky that that many promotions are within driving range, and then you have TIW in Pittsfield, which isn't that far either. Right. Exactly. You can. I, I could jump in a car and wrestle probably three of those shows in one day if they were all spaced out correctly, which is incredible. I could have never thought that, and it's just an awesome thing to see and be able to be a part of now, especially where I don't call myself a New York boy anymore because I don't wrestle for any of the local feds to me other than New York Championship Wrestling, and, and that's not necessarily a wrongdoing or me not having the opportunity to be booked it's more of a choice just because there's so much more out there now that the you like you can't fill every weekend being local like i don't i don't i literally live by something i heard from uh one of the guys that helped mentor me growing up you can't ever make it big being local which 
obviously isn't always true. There's guys that have stayed true, like, to their area and have made it big. But there's, like, so much more opportunity, you know, going to Ohio for Unsanctioned Pro one weekend, next being at, you know, New York Championship Wrestling, then going to Canada. Like, it's just so many options out there now that it's incredible. I absolutely love the opportunities that wrestlers are having. Yeah, and I was actually going to bring up Unsanctioned. I'm glad you mentioned it because, you know, at – as you say, you're not going to be anybody by just kind of staying there. By going to Ohio, I mean, look at some of the names you've wrestled out there. Like, Matthew Justice is a dude who's blowing up because of the GCW connection, and you already worked him years ago. Yeah, it was about two years ago, I would say, I think, right when Unstinction started, so about a year and a half ago. Um, it was like their second or third show that I was on with them, and uh, it was supposed to be a triple threat match. Something happened with the third guy that wasn't supposed to be there, and, you know, Pat just told me, he's like, I'm not changing the match. He's like, I want you to work Matthew Justice. I was like, okay, sounds good to me. And, <laughs> you know, after that, he did that freaking gross fucking uh Smoke or uh, Death Valley Driver from the top of the balcony, like that made it huge on every platform. Like, yeah, Matthew Justice is by far one of my most fun matches. And I like, as far as a lot of guys know, and I know I'm breaking that fourth wall, like some of the matches you call every little thing that you have to do in the match just because that's how some of the guys function and work their best. With me and Matt, we did exactly what I liked the best. We called a few things, but we wrestled maybe 15, 16 minute match. And I think we called a total of three minutes of it. The rest was just all on the fly, do what we wanted to do and entertain the shit out of the best fans that I could wrestle in front of. I absolutely love Unsanctioned Pro. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they're one of the, the promotions on IWTV so that you get to, to check them out. Definitely huge. Yeah, and that's got to be a plus too, knowing that you're on IWTV in front of the eyes of, you know, these thousands of subscribers that, you know, before may not have known who you were and then now there's this lasting impression. Yeah, I mean, I de- it's definitely something really cool. Like, I never even... You know, I thought of, you know, somebody could just stream my matches other than like YouTube, like somebody could right. literally look up Jordan Falco wrestling front of Sanction Pro. Like I've had buddies of mine literally be like, yo, I drill broke my fire stick. Holy shit. You're on TV for PPW as the same show as Ryback and shit like this. Like it was crazy. Like I have the screenshot still of me on Amazon fire stick. Like it's just so crazy to think of the different ways that people can see me wrestle now. And it's honestly, humbling to be able to be on all these platforms and i feel like that's another thing that's made independent wrestling i mean smaller and bigger at the same time is now we now have the ability to see all these promotions and all this stuff and it's not like you're dropping 20 25 bucks on a dvd breaking your bank anymore i mean right i pay i paid up front this year for IWTV, so I dropped a hundred bucks, and there's over two hundred promotions now. I can't even physically watch all that; it's impossible. Yeah, and, and it's crazy. Like all the, all these people are like, "Yo, man, I saw you on this or whatever," and I'm like, "Really? I'm even on that?" Like it's some stuff like you don't even know, like because of how crazy you know the world of wrestling has gotten and all the different options that you can watch stuff. Like I still unfortunately don't have IWTV yet and I need to just buck up and spend the money and watch it because there's some crazy stuff that in mean, unknown guys that are making it huge through that stuff right now. Uh, actually, uh, to give you a, a hint on air, uh, they're doing a thing right now where wrestlers who have matches on there can partner with them and you'll get your own promo code. 
And if you share the promo code and people subscribe and stick around, you get a cut of it. Oh, shit. I'm going to go make money. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I'm going to go hit them up right when this podcast is done, man. Yeah, uh, it was actually Rad from the Stepdads who uh, who I first noticed that from. Nice. Yeah, I'm definitely going to contact them, look into that. That sounds really cool. Now, you are still under 30, which is crazy, and you have uh, like a decade's worth of experience in the business. Uh, How beneficial would you say is that knowledge to your career right now? Um, I definitely think it's huge. Um, That's kind of, you know, I did it as a joke, kind of, but like it it was, this nickname was given to me. If a lot of people have watched, you know, some of my matches, I, I use a bunch of nicknames, but one of them is the Young Vet. And that's because I've been around for so long. And I never, I didn't like just do that as an ego stroke for myself. Like it was literally given to me by some guys I wrestle with. And they're like, Oh, how old are you? I'm like, I'm 23 years old. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah. They're like, how long you been wrestling? Well, in ring, I've been in, you know, the ring for over seven years and been around it for like 16 years. They're like, holy shit. Like, so that I would get the young vet nickname. And I think that's huge because the, the knowledge, the amount of guys I've met along the way, you know, I, I think every day, like people like Sean Carr, like my dad, Brody Lee, whoever I've ran into or talked to about, you know, my matches along the way, like have helped me so much. And I'm just grateful for the opportunities I've been given in those in that time and the people that i've met and i just think you know time brings everything like i've done so much in my seven and a half years that it, as a kid if you told me i did the things i've done i'd laugh in your face like there's no way i'm going to be able to accomplish that by 23 years old and i mean i don't even think i've hit a plateau yet i think i'm still on a rise that i can keep riding and i think being in the business for so long and having the connections that i do is only beneficial to me. If I contacted Sean Carr today and like, hey man, can you watch for this, you know, match I had last night? Give me back critique or whatever because he's somebody I look up to and look for his, you know, guidance. He'll give it to me, or I'll, you know, it's just so much opportunity that I've gained in that amount of time. Whether it be, you know, to do big stuff on big promotions or whatever, or you know, a new booking or whatever it is, just gaining the respect, learning more, teaching, talking to more people in the locker room, them vouching for you. I just think it comes with time, and I think that's extremely beneficial to you know my career, especially being a second generation superstar, being around for so long. Um, I think I've just been offered so much. Like, I mean, seven and a half years, I've done more than a lot of people and i think it's just because of how long i've been around and what i've been doing and only being 23 years old yeah it's it's nuts that you're you're that young and all the shit you have done because it just there's so much shit that there still is to be done that it's just such an open plane that it's crazy of what could happen still Exactly. I mean, I think all, I I think the lucky stars I got into it so young at 16 years old because my dad, when he was 10 years in, was, you know, God, I can't even think of what age he was. He was near 40 or a little over 40 at the time, at, you know, the amount of time I've been in. And it, it, he wasn't necessarily offered the opportunities because not necessarily age or anything, but just the time he grew up to in the, in the wrestling business was so different but i think being able to enter the time i did where wrestling was the way it was then and then being only so young and it being the way it is now being able to adjust get into new things do new things i just think that it's 
great opportunities that are coming along with it all for sure. And I, I'm grateful for everything that I've been able to accomplish and how much more opportunity I still have to accomplish things. Definitely. And has there been any time during the past seven and a half years that you feel like you've hit strides? Oh, for sure. Um, I think, you know, 2016 to 2019 was huge for me. I think I did everything under the sun, like that you can think of as far as, you know, obviously I didn't get signed to any big promotions, but I did stuff for them. Um, you know, whether it be extra talent or dark matches or whatever it may be, like I've done some crazy stuff, but like, and I just, I, I don't know. It's just, I think that I did so much in those three years. And obviously with the coronavirus right now, I think a lot of other wrestlers are in their heads like, shit, am I going to lose my stride when we get back? Am I, are we, what's the world of wrestling going to be? Am I going to have to freaking wrestle for people in their pods and make it literally have a whole different world of wrestling uh, to be a part of? And I just, I, I'm excited to see what, is, is going to happen and how people are going to adjust, how we're going to learn and stuff like that with everything going on. But there's definitely strides I've hit where I've been on walls where I've only wrestled one show in a month or I've been on 13 shows in one month. <laughs> so there's definitely strides that I think every wrestler hits and I just don't, I think you have to, in a sense, in a lack of better term, take things with a grain of salt when you're in your lulls or, or your highs because it's always going to change. You're not always going to be the top guy in a promotion. You're not always going to be the champ. You're not always going to be having 13 bookings in a month. I, and it's just, and definitely I've hit my strides either which way, like both bad and good. I just think that people need to not get in their heads when they're in the bad or in the good and just enjoy the world of pro wrestling and being involved in it. Yeah, I'm totally with you there because I mean, not everybody. I mean, we are in an era, an era where uh, almost everyone can be a pro wrestler, but it doesn't mean that everyone who wanted to be got to be. So just you know, right, and I don't think people that everybody that is should be either. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true too. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, I just had to throw that out there. Oh no, but I mean, it's like one of those things where like I wanted to be one so bad. That's all I ever wanted to do was be a wrestler. And then right. when my now my knee's too fucked up for me to ever do it, and it, it, right. it is one of the things that hurts. So there's a lot of people out there. It's like, listen, just just take for granted that you can do it, because I wish I could right. be doing it. Exactly. Like my buddy, uh, my buddy Anthony that I brought up earlier. He's been in enough training to be safe and stuff like that for the major i have that disclaimer in there but i mean he's not a pro wrestler he's never been through a full training he's never done you know a bunch of stuff but like i mentioned earlier i was on uh amazon fire stick for ppw he was my manager he got an opportunity of that so like you know people that are aspiring to be pro wrestlers don't have to be pro wrestlers they can be different parts like his dream was to be in front of a crowd or do whatever his first ever event I ever got him involved in as my manager with Gavin Glass at the time, he literally got to manage us in front of like 600 or 700 people that night. And that was his first ever experience through a curtain as an actual character. Like, obviously, if he ever rides with me to shows, I'll be like, hey, this is my buddy. He's trained. Can he come and carry me to the back or somebody with a pull apart or whatever? He's done a bunch of that. He's been outside for lumberjack matches. He's even been involved in a uh, uh, Royal Rumble match. Like, but it, 
he's never like he always aspired to be one with me when we grew up but now he has gotten some opportunities and he's so grateful for them and he's still like just you know a part of the wrestling world now and but not necessarily as a pro wrestler and i don't think everybody needs to be the guy in the ring like there's so many other parts to pro wrestling ref refing managing you know music guy production guy whatever it has to be promoter like whatever you have to be there's so many things in pro wrestling now especially that you can be a part of i think it's huge yeah and that was the main reason i started the podcast was that i thought well maybe you know even if i'm just talking to wrestlers in my basement that's still pretty fucking cool Right, you're a part of the pro wrestling world. Like, I literally was just, no bullshit, was on the phone with my dad 10 minutes before I was on the phone with you, or got online with you, and he goes, oh, what are you up to today? I was like, oh, I'm on a podcast, uh, you know, and he goes, holy shit, he's like, that's cool as fuck, like, in it, it, like, it's just being noticed and stuff like that, like, he... He'll love to be on your podcast if you want him to. Quick little plug for him. He'd love to be a part of it if you're ever looking to have him. Oh, that'd be cool like to hear about sure. what it was like then. Oh, man. Yeah, he'd definitely be interested. Just reach out for sure. Definitely got to throw in that plug for Dad. <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But, yeah, wrestling's just a great world to live in now, man. You don't have to be the guy in the ring. You can do so much more and be a huge part of it. Yeah, and I think it took me forever to realize that because I was just always so down, like, well, you know, that ship sailed. And then I just had to look at it as, well, the port's open, just the ship of being a wrestler sailed. Doesn't mean other right. boats aren't coming in. Exactly to go to the same type of destination. I mean, look at guys that have that are refing in WWE that have literally refed the main event of WrestleMania. No, they weren't the the wrestler in it, but dude, they just fucking main evented WrestleMania in a sense. Yeah, or even their kids winning tag titles. Right. <laughs> exactly. I was in New Orleans when that freaking kid won the tag titles with Braun. I was at that WrestleMania. I couldn't fucking believe that when that happened. I was like, what the fuck is going on? You should have seen the people in New Orleans. They're like, what the fuck is happening? I was really hoping, and I know it's terrible to say because I have kids of my own, but I just wanted to see him get tagged in and, like, eat a lariat. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. But I wanted That was awesome. Good old Nicholas. Now, when the pandemic is over, do you have any goals? Oh, wait, I, sk- I fucking missed one. God damn it. Since I've been oh, talking to, to so many N- NYCW guys, you know, this past week, okay. and Patches yep. is next, how did the opportunity okay. to come to NYCW happen? Did he reach out to you? Um, kind of. Um, so what happened was... Um, I, I'm a really good friend with uh, Terrell Kenneth. Uh, him and I ride together to most shows, um, and he uh, he was either in talks with Patches or just about to get into the company or something like that. And told me to reach out to him. Told me, you know, hey, the, you know, Johnny's running shows. You should reach out to him. I was like, all right, for sure. I reached out to him, and uh, at first, I made the first step to getting in there, and I, I contacted him. I was like, hey, man, and, you know, here's my resume. I'd really, you know, be interested in working for you. Let me know if there's something we can do. And it, he, we literally just had this conversation, no shit, like less than a month ago. Um, I was like, yeah, you know, Patches, you know, like we were talking about what the future holds for NYCW when we reopen and, you know, the future for Jordan Falco um, and the company. And he's like, yeah, man, he's like, he's like, I just – 
you know, appreciate it because you're one of those guys that contacted me for a booking. You didn't get it right away because the roster was full and you just kept like, you know, you stayed on me, you contacted me, you were respectful about it and you're here now. And I can't thank Patches enough for the opportunity. I mean, New York Championship Wrestling is one of the most fun times I have. And I always talk to Patches, you know, weeks before the show, weeks after and all that stuff, just about what's going on. And I appreciate every opportunity Patch has given me. I mean, I came in there where he's just like, yeah, you know, I have a spot open. It's in a scramble. And I call myself the king of scrambles because I don't think any motherfucker in this area has wrestled in more scramble matches than me. <laughs> um, but and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I was like, yeah, man, I'll take the opportunity. And I was in the rumble that night as well. Um, I'll, I'll definitely take the opportunity. I appreciate it. And then, you know, he put me in other scrambles, others, you know, random matches and stuff with like no stride going yet, you know, just to prove myself. But he gave me the opportunity to prove myself. I was in multiple main events now. I was in a first ever six man ladder match there. I literally was the surprise opponent for Moran one night uh, for the heavyweight title. Like, so much shit has came through just the opportunities patches has given me to be jordan falco so i really appreciate him and i wanted to make sure i got that in um but yeah i mean i reached out to him first uh but you know just staying on him he gave me the opportunity and he's given me endless opportunities to be jordan falco and you know one of the bigger names in the company now i believe you know just a prove myself and be who I am and make my own worth and that's what I love about his promoting style and his opportunities that he's given me and other people just to excel in the company for sure. Yeah, I definitely feel like you're you're a guy who's hit a stride there and you're definitely on the, the, the higher end of things by far especially with the talent that you have. I appreciate that. Now, when the pandemic is over, do you have any goals for the future? Um, to not wear a mask when I go into my real job. Um, no. <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad one. <laughs> no, definitely not. I'm so sick of wearing a mask. I'd like to breathe, you know, <laughs> the air at some point in this world. Um, but no, I, I, I would like to uh, potentially win a title in New York Championship Wrestling, you know, whether it be the heavyweight or the heritage or the tag, whatever it comes along with. I mean, I have two par- tag partners in my dad and, uh, you know, Crystal Moon now. Um, so I, Punk's Not Dead is definitely a fun tag team, and I hope that uh, Crystal and I make it big out of this um, because not many intergender tag teams are out there right now making the, a huge stride, and I would love to do that with her. Um, so that's definitely something I'm looking forward to. Um, and then just you know, getting back into other promotions that I used to work for, been trying to work for before this all happened, and just making a bigger name for Jordan Falco, getting more opportunities, and you know, being able to help others along the way like i said before i've always been that part of a team mentality that i always want to see the next guy step up and i I live by you know everything put everything you have in that fucking ring i don't give a shit if you're the main event the hot opener or the pre-show if somebody in the main event can't follow you in you know the pre-show then they shouldn't be the main event prove yourself worth and work yourself farther so that's what i want to continue to do is just prove myself prove that you know jordan falco's worth a damn and you know keep proving people wrong or right depending on how they view me and just continue to be the best i can be and kick ass for us for uh when everything's over that's the best way to do it and uh i normally don't throw out people who i'd like to see other people wrestle at least not on air but uh, i'm not familiar i don't know if you're familiar with em uh demarest 
or Demoris, sorry. But that's a dude I'd love to see you wrestle because I just feel like it would mesh so well. Oh yeah, let's let's get it. I mean, I, I've uh, I definitely been talking to Patches about potential uh, potential future opponents. Um, I'll let a little bit of a teaser out there. I don't know if Patches is going to be pissed at me or not for it. Um, <laughs> but uh, somebody you've seen on TV is who I'm working to, working to get into it. And it's been in the talks on both parties to oh, get it to happen. All and right. I think that we get it uh, get it signed because him and I have made it, this wrestler that I want to wrestle, him and I have made it pretty uh, apparent on a lot of companies' Facebook pages that him <laughs> and I want to lock up. So hopefully we can get that to happen and hopefully I get other opportunities. I, like I would love to wrestle Matthew Justice again. I had so much fun doing it. I love wrestling Big TK as much as I can, you know, being tag with him, wrestling with him a hundred times, whatever it is. I mean, there's plenty of guys I want to get out there and wrestle, but I love hearing recommendations. I love people tagging, you know, who their Jordan Falco dream matches are and stuff like that. I just love hearing that stuff because not only does it show that there's other wrestlers out there that people want to see me wrestle, but the fact that I'm on their mind and the fact that I can even provide opportunities for them to even think of quote unquote dream matches for Jordan Falco to be in is just, it's humbling and definitely incredible to hear people want to see me in certain matches. And it's really cool to see. I bet, man, that, that does have to be awesome and uh that's pretty much all i got for the the wrestling related questions uh, i don't know if you knew this but tk is going to be on on the 30th against skyros and wrestling jeopardy so don't miss that because that's going to be ridiculous they they kill me man the facebook posts against each other have me dying in tears i'm like yo what is up like did this because i mean i remember back in iwf my dad's company when they were feeding for the heavyweight title like it was just so funny like not even like the actual wrestling itself, but just seeing them always try to one up each other, be better, and like show that they freaking hate each other in a sense. And it, it, their shit's so great. I definitely want to check that out. <laughs> I that I when I just saw them bickering over and over. I'm like, I need to find a way to make this work for me. <laughs> and Skyros sure. loved it. Benefit the hell out of it. <laughs> uh, so now is it cool if I ask you some ridiculous questions that have nothing to do with pro wrestling? For sure. Uh, have you binge watched anything on Netflix or Hulu during the pandemic? Oh my god, a lot. Um, <laughs> what am I on right now? I'm on Hulu watching Forget About It. Um, it's a comedy show about like the, these Italians and the witness protection program. It's a cartoon. It is so damn funny. Oh my god, it reminds me so much of my real life family um and then uh i got into all american which is pretty kick-ass uh reprisal which was awesome um what else have i watched uh those are the main ones and then uh ballers out of the hbo show with the rock i've been watching too like those are pretty much what i've been binging but definitely forget about it and all american have been my favorites that i've been watching all right uh if you've ever listened to the podcast before you knew this one is coming uh, grape or strawberry jelly? Grape. Thank you. 100%. Grape jelly grape gang for no, life. Grape with no seeds. I can't deal with the seeds because I literally just had a PB&J sandwich this morning for my breakfast, so <laughs> I'm all about that grape jelly. That's right. Grape jelly gang for life. Uh, I'm probably going to get that for in sure. your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you could live in any other decade, what would it be? The 1920s. I am. A, I love that question. I love the Roaring Twenties. I love everything about it. The Great Gatsby is the best book slash movie to ever be done. I'm obsessed with it. Um, 
like everything about the 20s was just so cool the bootlegging the the opportunity the high rolling life like everything about the 20s like looked so cool like i don't want to live in the 30s after because i ain't about that <laughs> depression shit um but i'm all about the 20s <laughs> yeah uh the great gatsby is one of my favorite books of all time I, I just love it i love f scott fitzgerald's writing style to nerd it up scott fitzgerald what he ever do to you <laughs> uh chicken riggies do you fuck with them or no chicken riggies i don't even know what the hell those are what the fuck you you were in around cny and you don't know what chicken riggies are no but i need to freaking have them now they sound from top <laughs> fantastic i don't even know what the hell they are uh next time uh you're for and then uh, next nycw show We'll find a place. I'm going to be there for the show. We'll find you, Riggies. Okay. <laughs> and the, All right, I'm down. And the last question is, what's the creepiest basement you've ever been in and why? Creepiest basement I've ever been in and why? Shit. Um, huh, that's a good question. Um, I would probably say the basement at... Uh, Shit, I'm probably gonna get in trouble for this, but I think people know. Um, I was at a few, uh, old funeral home uh, that was down the street from my house, and it was always known as like I was a younger teenager, always doing dumb shit um, to break in the back door. There was a little area that you could break in and stuff, and go and check it out. Um, and obviously, being an old funeral home and all that stuff, I went into the basement with one of my buddies. It was so freaky, and I don't know if like nothing really happened itself, but like I just think because of you know it what it was and stuff like that and this is a huge ass building it's like three stories high like it's massive um so we when we did that like it was creepy and like later that night um we walked from the funeral home to the gas station at the corner and on our way back to my house we saw like six or seven cop cars in that area with like fire trucks and like shit we're in trouble we're done we're done we're done <laughs> but actually the neighbor's um side view mirror to his truck caught on fire that same night at like 20 minutes after we left the freaking place. So like, I, it was just creepy and we don't know what the hell that meant or whatever, but we always talk about it. And it was all like stemmed from this basement, from this old freaking uh, old funeral home. So I definitely think that was the creepiest or, you know, my grandma's. I don't know why, just because it's probably pavement, not finished. I don't know what the hell's wrong with that one, but it freaks me out. And she's got this whole, like, like, in my grandma's basement, there's this hole for, like, drainage or whatever, and it's in, like, the far back corner. But, like, when you look down it, it's just so dark, and you don't know how deep it goes. It creeps the shit out of me because I'm like, if I jump in here, I'm gone. Like, I'm going to fucking Narnia or something. <laughs> so those are definitely the two creepiest fucking basements. Those are both fantastic in. stories. Those are both great, great, great answers. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> all right, man. That's that's all I've got. Thank you so much for doing this. This was such a great time. As I said, I will be at the next NYCW show. I can't wait to meet you in person and see you kick some ass. Awesome, man. I'm really excited to see you. All right, brother. You take care. All right, man. You too. Bye. See you later. All right, everybody. Uh, let me see where I'm at. Okay, I got like two minutes left. I'll squeeze it in. That was Jordan Falco. Uh, check him out on NYCW shows. Uh, easily find on YouTube. Just search New York Championship Wrestling. And he's on the, the most the last few new episodes. Actually, like last five or six, he's, he's made some appearances. So there you go. Uh, I will be back in two days 
with the owner of NYCW, Johnny Patches. That one should be real interesting and fun. And then after that, it is the Wrestling Jeopardy one. And then after that is Lance Madewell. So that's that's the rest of May for me. Uh, anytime, uh, that's about it, I think I got. I don't even know why I said anytime. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. As always, thank you to my beautiful, wonderful wife, Shelby, upstairs dealing with the kids and dealing with my bullshit and trying to avoid chores from her. I know she's not happy about that right now. Uh, <laughs> As always, I love all you guys. Remember to follow me on social media. Twitter is AITV Podcast. Facebook and Instagram is Alone in the Basement. And that is, I think, about everything I got. If I forgot anything, oh well, fuck me. So uh, I'll see you guys in a couple days. Love you. Bye.